Welcome back to the Adventurers Fighting Federation, where it's the adventurers versus the attacking monsters. What's been happening up until now, Kenny? Uh, the adventurers have been taking a pounding. They're really up against the ropes today. They just can't seem to get themselves organized. No, they can't, Kenny. If only they had the help of high-level adventurers, perhaps. <laughs> Great heroes summoned here by chance or destiny. Or maybe even a dragon. Uh, I don't know. That sounds a bit generic. Almost played out at this point. I reckon some studios really need to rethink our approach to this whole oh, genre. Oh, and there's been some activity down on the field. Oh We're going to go live to our infield reporter. Kyle, what's going on down there? Coco, I'm standing here in a pile of bodies. A band of mages have joined forces to cast a massive spell. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it really needs to do something if they're going to stop this merciless onslaught of charging rabbit monsters with horns on their heads? They sound like uni rabbits, Kyle, and if we can still see you, then the pile of bodies is clearly not that big. I believe the locals call them rabbit courts, Coco. We'll agree to disagree. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. And that was a live spell cast by what looked like over 20 mages. Yes, those uni rabbits, as you call them, appear to be caught like rabbits in a headline. Oh, I see what you did there. Ah, back to Kyle on the field. I'm being mauled by a uni rabbit. Help! Oh, Get no. it off me! Oh. Oh that is such oh. a Kyle thing to do. <laughs> yes, Kenny, looks like we'll have to rejoin Kyle later, after these messages. Somebody test your safe launch, the Ava! Ava launch! Tetsuo! Kaneda! Onita! It's over 9,000! Nani! Configure the language logic interface for Japanese. Wi-Fi. 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 Wi-Fi radio! And welcome to a new episode of Kawaii Fi Radio, the podcast where we look into the world of anime and manga. I'm your host, Kyle, and joining me are my crazy co-hosts, Coco and Kenny. How you doing, guys? Hey, we're hey, not Kyle, actually it's great crazy. to be back. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Still got a bit of voice. <laughs> just just, a, just a, got a little bit of a frog in there, maybe a uni rabbit or something. Definitely a uni well, rabbit. Kyle. We know someone who got weaned by wascally wabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, you, you could say I had a bit of a rabid time. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, if you've been following us before, um, you might know that last week we went and saw a certain film. Ah, uh, yes, Promare. We had to do an entire Wi-Fi special after that because it was just a glorious visual feast. It was feast. too good not to talk about. Uh, my eyes are still hurting. Listen. What? What is that? that? That's my retinas. How? How? I, you I, know, <laughs> that, for just, some just reason, keep them away from the microphone, okay? It's probably just, a good idea. For some reason, that reminds me of that scene from uh, Hot Shots. <laughs> <laughs> Classic old no, movie. sizzling belly. Anyway, <laughs> Promare was fantastic. Um, it should still be floating around in a few cinemas um, if you're in Australia. If you're not, I believe the US has a run coming up soon as well as the UK. Go um, see it, people. Go see it. And if you want to know what we think on it, have a quick listen to our Wi-Fi Extra on the channel before mm-hmm. this episode. Um, but that does bring us to a couple of shows we've been watching this season. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one is Sports Ball, um, <laughs> which is a Hiro no Sora basketball anime. We were, which yes. We were kind of expecting to sort of pass this one by. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not really sports kind of people, but... No. Oh, never this really, is... Yeah, we've never really watched sports anime, have we? 
I um, think the closest thing I've gotten to was, I guess, maybe Saki or Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> <I> <laughs> think card I, games and martial arts. I think I just assume that um, if we're to watch an anime about a sport, we should know about the sport first, because yeah. otherwise there'll be a lot of in-jokes that we may not understand. But no, this one was very accessible. It was mm. shonen for days. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I've got to be honest, yeah. like the art style initially, like because with a lot of modern anime, they don't actually draw lips on characters anymore. Mm. Yeah, I've noticed. And that. they did have lips on the characters, which mm. in their uh, design and their portrait, and it's a little bit odd to get used to initially. You just kind of be like, "Wait, what?" It's a very different visual yeah. style, mm-hmm. and um, I ca- I'm kind of welcoming. I'm, that. I'm, I'm quite pleased with it, but I'm really surprised because all of the characters are really well designed and thought out. Even like the minor side characters who we haven't been introduced to, who are, like classmates and all that, mm-hmm. seem to have their own complete own design and look original. Unlike you know some other animes where it looks like the whole class is copy pasta. So yes. yeah, I'm expecting we'll get backstory for those side characters pretty soon though so oh, yeah. i'm happy to keep watching this same as well and we, we, i think it's going to be it's four cores total mm-hmm. um so that's 52 episodes hmm. this is a story about a guy who's just joined a new school joined a basketball club only it's run by delinquents who don't really play basketball so he's trying to whip them into shape and like you meet delinquents from the get-go in this anime like yeah. the first i believe it's the first scene ever the first scene of where the show. he's um he He's Th- surrounded by them and he eats a protein bar and he's like, come at me. And he it's, just it's gets not flattened. that, it's a calcium bar oh, because okay. it's all, all about, you know, Growing? drink milk should grow sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's very, very short yeah, and wants to play basketball, yeah. a sport for very, very tall people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he's, he's very good. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Which also brings us to one which we were quite excited about. <laughs> and we're, this is just pointing straight away to the fact that we're we're pretty lazy and just want to <laughs> be comfy. Honestly, <laughs> like once you get onto the comfy train, you don't want to get off. <laughs> the Eurocamp train? This, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that show fundamentally changed us. Down yeah, it yeah. really did. Um, so... Ascendance of a bookworm. I'll do anything to become a librarian. This <laughs> girl. It's so cute. It, it's, it's an isekai where um, this young girl, well, she she's, I think, in her early 20s mm. when she passes from an accident and she's reincarnated into the body of a frail five-year-old girl called Mine mm. in a different world. And in this medieval setting, books are really rare. And really expensive. And she because loves to read. That's so a what big is a thing girl about to do? Uh, medieval history is literacy was something that y- the uh, rich had or the people who needed to know that yeah. sort of thing. Had. Yeah. So Wh- which is really, it's, most it people looks at a lot of different aspects of it as well, <coughs> like the literacy within the, the family that she's in, like how people treat books, the uh, actual ability to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't help thinking when I'm watching it with that. So this is the other side of the coin for is um, if it's even for for my daughter I yeah. defeat a demon lord. Yeah, um, and it's just like it's cute and it's adorable and nothing major is going to happen other mm. than her running around trying to r- create books. And it's a great sort of subversion for the whole isekai genre. It's like mm. I did hear people complaining about the sheer number of isekais, which are all video game mechanics, and this hero yeah. has this power, and there's. You know, your classic monsters, and there's definitely a demon lord somewhere. Let's be honest, there's a few this season again. Yeah. Yeah, but then there's this one comes along and says, okay, we're just going to do not that. <laughs> this is something that's very, very sedate. It's mm-hmm. very, very logical and educational in a way. This is going to mm. become a whole thing about how how is she going to make books and introduce literacy to this world. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the studio is Argio Doe. 
which are known for doing three episodes of the Genshiken OVA. Uh, Deity Fist of the North Star, How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, and Vampire Hunter D. Isn't the, the original? Oh, the Bloodlust one? I like believe. From 2001? Actually, I need to check that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will come back with that later on. Well, uh, I think we, we are getting a little bit off track mm. because we need to actually talk about what we're doing this episode. Let's and get down to business. Th- this is our first ever ep- studio in focus episode. And fittingly, we're talking about the first Japanese studio to ever win an Oscar, mm-hmm. Studio Ghibli. Um, now, if you haven't heard of Studio Ghibli... Wow, do I have some tales for you. <laughs> if you haven't heard of Studio Ghibli, you probably haven't been listening to our podcast. Yeah, no. We will introduce you on the, in this episode mm. to a bit of their history. We will. And the whole Studio Ghibli back catalogue is heading to HBO streaming service next year, um, which we will cover the very messy route that ended up taking to end up actually there. So we figured what better time to look at this historic studio's origin and two of its most iconic films, My Neighbor Totoro and Princess Mononoke. Um, yes. We can't do Spirited Away because we've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> All this and more after the news. Making headlines. Really? Awesome. Anime news. Wins for Promare and Demon Slayer, and Team Rocket are back. This is Kawaii Fi Anime News. Netflix has unveiled our first look at the upcoming Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex 2045 CG series, with a quick glimpse of Major Makoto Kusanagi. The new CG anime is expected to debut in 2020, with two seasons planned, though whether the 3D version of the series will be of a high enough quality, fans remains to be seen. The new project is being developed at Production IG with standalone complexes Kaniyama Kenji and Apple Seeds Aramaki Shinji handling one season each of the show. Katakawa's monthly New Type magazine has announced the winners of this year's New Type Anime Awards, with Demon Slayer and Promare taking out almost all the prizes. The magazine's readers vote on their favourite works from the last 12 months, giving a snapshot of the current popularity of anime and manga in Japan. Demon Slayer took out the prizes for Best Male and Female Characters, Voice Actor and Actress, Theme Song Director and Character Design Awards, and Promare took out Best Theatrical Work category, along with Best Screenplay, Best Mascot and Best Mechanical and Prop Design. For those curious on two of the other big films from the year, Weathering With You landed in 5th place, and My Hero Academia 2 Heroes took ninth. Briefly staying with Demon Slayer, the series' upcoming film has been confirmed as a sequel to the series, and it's expected to land in cinemas in 2020. The first sneak peek for The Fruits Basket's second season has appeared online, along with confirmation that the show will be returning in 2020. Along with continuing the story surrounding the Soma family curse, the series will be introducing several new characters and will likely run for another 25 episodes. The franchise's reboot plans to adapt the entire manga storyline, with original author Takaya Natsuki's supervising the production. And it's been confirmed that the new Pokemon TV series, simply called Pocket Monsters, will feature the return of fan-favourite villains, Team Rocket. The series will feature all of the regions previously covered in the franchise, from Kanto to the new Galar region, and appears to be a hard reboot of the series based on the first trailer. In this preview, a young Pikachu appears in its prior evolution form, with a second protagonist called Go appearing alongside Ash. The series will be retaining the previous show's time slot on TV Tokyo, along with the staff of the previous Sun and Moon series at OLM. It'll premiere in Japan on November 17. 
Heading to the bookshelves, the Sword Art Online Progressive Manga has published the final chapter of its second run in Katakawa's Dengi K's comic this week. Sword Art Online Progressive, Hoe no Barakarol, covers the third book of the novel series, which is a revised retelling of Kawahara Reki's original SAO novels. The story depicts Kirito's journey through the floating Ironcrad castle from the beginning, floor by floor. Long-running awkward friendship manga, Hagani, I Don't Have Many Friends, will be coming to an end in 2020 in its 20th volume. The franchise entered its final arc in volume 18, where it revealed the series planned its end, following the path of the light novel series it's based on. And a manga that ended 17 years ago is getting a revival, with the creator of Shoujo Manga Gals announcing the series will return in an online format. Manga creator Fuji Mihona announced the series could continue from where it ended in 2002. Manga, manga creator Fuji Mihona announced the series would continue from where it ended in 2002 and will be available in Shueisha's Manga Me app from November 5. The original series ran for 10 volumes between 98 and 2002 and inspired a 52-episode anime in 2001. And finally, in dub news, Fate Grand Order Absolute Demonic Front Babylonia has unveiled its English dub cast. The series, based off a mobile game, is of the same name and is now available to stream in dub format through Funimation and will run for 21 episodes. And that's your anime news for the week ending November 3rd, 2019. Fate Grand Order Glorious <laughs> Large go. Copy of the... Frothy, frothy Fate cappuccino. Gypsy's <laughs> tears, I demand. Really. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this joke will never end. No, it won't until we actually get our head around what's going on with this show. Mm, so, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Oof. How did you feel about that CG? Um, it felt I'm like it, it, rem it reminded me of when I watched the uh, Final Fantasy CG film. Oh, oh. That's, that's a good comparison. That's actually. going way back. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, it feels like there's something missing in that art style. I can't quite put my finger on it, but you know how like, there's that sort of uncanny valley vibe you get from like the idol CG animes? Yes. That sort of now thing. Now that you actually mention it, it does look a little like that. Um, Solar Digital is on that, and mm. they did the uh, Starship Troopers movies not so long ago. Oh, um, the, C the CG anime yeah, ones, the yeah. Yeah, the full CGI ones. They were pretty big on action and mm. stuff, so this could look good. Um, something the, the bugs me about Motoko's design, though. It's She's too cute. She's She looks very cute, and she's lost a bit of her intensity, but I feel like if we focus on that... We're going mean, to come off as purists. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Like, we're talking here for those who haven't seen the trailer of literally a thirty-second clip. Um, and to be honest, considering it's not coming out till next year, it doesn't look like the final product. Oh, I, yeah. I really hope it isn't the final product. Um, but the fact that it's got you know the people who have previously done you know standalone complex and the Appleseed franchise, both written by the uh, guy who created. Mm. Um, the series, it, it suggests that, you know, there could be at least a consistency in the quality and the demands that they have. Yeah, and our production IG, as you mentioned, is mm -hmm. on this. So we could get something of quality. I think we've just been, you know, hurt a few too many times by Netflix's anime adaptation. Well, this is a Netflix adaptation, so that's the so concern. We I, will see. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't want to feel like a purist by, like, you know, focusing on the negatives. So I do want to wait and see how this yeah. will turn out. Um, that also actually makes me want to talk about the new type awards because while I'm very excited for the fact that Demon Slayer and Prome got a load of awards there, <laughs> I, I don't know how Kito Akari, she's the won the uh, best voice actor role for her character Nezuko in Demon Slayer. Her a character literally character. has a gag in her mouth yes. for almost every episode. <laughs> 
How does that Look, like? Don't be wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe she maybe she delivered her lines without the gag, and then the then it was added in post. Like, <laughs> like I'm here's my gag filter. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we'd actually have to uh, like research on that. I don't know. I feel like perhaps the audience is a little. Perhaps I don't want to accuse them of bias, but I think they're just enamored with the show. Pretty much, and it is. It is a very beautiful mm. show. I've been sort of watching ahead of it for, with ahead of you guys on it, and. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, it I does get like ludicrously up. dramatic. I haven't mm. caught up on yeah, it yet. So either. maybe she does start mm. speaking without the gag further oh, no. down. Oh, no, no. The gag is consistent. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she's, well, she's doing a good job with the gag. Maybe that's She sort portrays of like a, a lot know. of emotion for someone of few words. And uh, yeah, and uh, the fact that she can shrink is adorable. Uh, yes. Yeah. She, she turns child size and just... Ah. I also find it kind of funny that Promare... Like, I mean, don't be me wrong. Promare was an incredible film. But the fact that they specifically focused on them to give them the best mechanical and prop design and the best mascot for the um, little... The little rat thing. little rat thing. It was <laughs> like, it had like all of five minutes screen time in a two-hour film. I would yeah. say less. Uh, yeah, I wonder if less. there was more time for it in the storyboarding. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, and Pokemon. It's getting a hard reboot. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what it looks like. I mean, it, it's... Quite surprising when you see the trailer yeah. because we we did hear that this was kind of going to be like a, a new take on it. We were a bit confused about that. Yeah. The, the Maybe it's going to be similar to Dragon Ball Kai where they mm, get rid of a lot of filler. That. Well, they, you, say, you say that, but um, Pokemon is all filler. Um, I know, and no killer. but that's, that's <laughs> partly like I, like, I really like the concept of the show and I liked mm. the characters. I really love Team Rocket. Yep. Um, Jesse. Yeah. And we're going to see them come back with like an updated character yeah. design. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do have concerns about the more modern approach that um, OLM is going for with the character designs because they changed it a few seasons back and it kind of looks like they've cheaped out a bit. Cause, but I mean, uh, I think that's more because they realised before the quality they were putting out was higher than their target demographic of children. I believe so, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Either way, we'll know more in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. But that does mean we need to get on to our topic at hand this week and start our studio in focus. Kawaii-Fi Radio. I didn't know they did that. I love their art style. Oh, my God, they made that. Studio in focus. Yes, our first ever studio in focus. I forgot what our sting for that sounded like. <laughs> we, ma- we made it almost a year ago, that yes. sting. <laughs> and we are, of course, beginning with Studio Ghibli. Um, the house that Miyazaki built. Yes. Glorious. <laughs> Honestly, this studio is, amongst many other achievements, famous for bringing anime to a wider Western audience, um, basically driving home the point that anime is not cheaply produced just to sell toys mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is what the western world mm-hmm. has like ha- like thought that it was for yeah. a while and then Akira hit as well and they were just like <gasps> yeah that, that is like, not oh, for children we can't show our kids yeah of this, a bunch of animes animated. which changed people's perception of uh, mm. the western world's perception of anime uh, you're looking at Akira, you're looking at uh, Ninja mm. Scroll, and oh, you're definitely yeah. looking at basically the whole oh, Ghibli pick one catalog. from Ghibli. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And in this story of how it was founded, I think I, I need to start with Hayao Miyazaki. Who doesn't need to start with Hayao Miyazaki? <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's a, a god among no, men. Honestly, <laughs> there, there's like um, his colleagues, the other four found, well, the other three founders were equally as responsible for bringing the studio to fruition mm-hmm. um but basically so miyazaki um 
directed Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind in 1984, uh, which wasn't his first feature length mm. um, production he directed. The first one was Castle of Cagliostro. Yes, yeah, good old mm-hmm. Lupin. A, yeah, Lupin the Third. Um, the interesting thing about Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is that um, there was quite a lot involved to bring it um, bring um, it up. Now, was Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind the uh, Studio Ghibli's first one? So this is the one that was technically not a Ghibli. Oh. This is what led to the creation of the studio. Basically, mm. Miyazaki created the manga first. And mm. Toshio Suzuki, who's one of the other founders, um, at the time was oh. the editor of Animagi. It's a magazine. No, I think we did mention this before yes. when we were talking about Miyazaki, and he was yes. like, I will only write something if it doesn't get adapted to an anime. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, well, well, this is good. Can we adapt it? Well, Damn he, it. well with Nausicaa, um, he, he wanted to try and get it created. So mm-hmm. to, to have it published in this magazine was like basically the stepping stone they needed, and Suzuki was the one who helped that. Yeah. So because of that, then... Um, Yasuyoshi Tokuma, who's the head of Tokuma Shoten, which is a company, um, it's a publishing company, they funded Nausicaa mm. of the Valley of the Wind. And that's how the film basically came to fruition. And from there, they decided from to there, create they were a like, studio. We can make our own studio. So that was uh, Studio Ghibli was founded on June 15, 1985. And isn't yep. there like a very weird around where the name came from? Yes, the name is actually a Libyan Arabic name for a Mediterranean wind that comes from the Sahara. So like, for example, in Perth, we've got the Frio Doctor. Mm. Yes, yeah, so that's the same sort of thing. There's something similar in France, isn't yep, there? Like the Mistral. Yeah, which is like this, the wind which comes off the Mediterranean and up yeah, through the mountains. Yeah. yeah, and another word for Ghibli is Sirocco, which many people may have heard of. Ah. So he wanted, he named, he, he gave it that name because he wanted to blow a new wind through the anime industry, <laughs> keeping it in mind that he has been in the industry for about 20, 20 odd years. Um, and c- keeping in mind at that time, everyone was obsessed with action and Gundam. Yes. Essentially, was mm. the, the big sort of like sellers mm-hmm. at the time. And he focused on storytelling. Um, oh, how dare he? I know, <laughs> I know, right? So, um,. To be fair, those other ones had a good focus on storytelling, but more of a focus on the action and the explosions. Mm. And selling the robots. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, it was a real big deal to get the funding from this particular publishing house for Nausicaa because they've also funded... Um, they funded Rashomon by Kurosawa. Oh, wow. So they're a big deal. Um, so basically, the four founders... We will, we will cover Rashomon at some other yes, point we'll as well. Yes, we'll have to. Yes, absolutely. Um, was Hayao Miyazaki, Isao Takahata, who he met... Um, Miyazaki while working together at, I believe, Toei. Mm-hmm. And um, he's actually got a degree in French literature. Oh. Had a degree, sorry. He's passed away, unfortunately. Oh, okay. um, Toshio Suzuki, mm-hmm. editor, well, previous editor of Animagi. Um, and Miyazaki has said if, there, if it were not for Mr. Suzuki, there wouldn't have been a Studio Ghibli. So the facilitation of publishing this manga mm-hmm. of Nausicaa was was very important. It was kind of a big deal. And, of course, the last founder is head of Takuma Shoten, uh, Yatsuyoshi Tokuma. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Um, he took a step, of fa- a leap of faith, because he actually let Miyazaki direct Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Yeah. Castle of Cagliostro, of course, wasn't 
like yeah. what was a bit of a flop, even though well, it was it, good. It wasn't. It wasn't so much a flop. It was just more that um, Monkey Punch didn't think that yeah, it, it was. was the right characterization of Lupin saying that Lupin no. was a bit more evil and conniving and. You know, supposedly, yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, Miyazaki made him quite nice. Yes. <laughs> so, 85, mm-hmm. studio comes into being, and their first film was Laputa, ah. Castle in the Sky in 1986. It cleaned up the Animage Grand Prix. Wow. The Japan Media Arts Festival 2006, which was obviously a lot later. Yeah. So it, was, was it got the second best animated film and the Oricon 2008 audience poll. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I think it um, fueled my love of like airships and air travel, that sort of thing. That so certainly explains a lot of things. Mm. <laughs> and honestly, it's got a lot to... Um, th- th- there's a lot of influence that it had for what steampunk is in anime these days. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. It also kind of connects to a lot of his other ideas. Like, I mean, because that, uh, from memory, um, f- uh, Custard Sky has the robots in it, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. The uh, big terracotta robots that sound like bells whenever they walk. Yeah. Yeah. Next. I love those things. They were so alien. Was my neighbor Totoro. Which we will talk about more yes. in full shortly. We will, absolutely. But this one, I mean, this one won more awards than the last one. It, it seems like every single film, they've almost every single film they've put out has won an award. So Totoro was also direct, well, Laputa was directed by Miyazaki, as was Totoro. That same year, they brought out a film that was directed by Izao Takahata, oh. which is, you, you guys are all looking at me. Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Uh, Has anyone I seen it? I made this song to depress <laughs> you. <laughs> have, um, have you guys seen it? Half of it. Uh, I I've haven't seen, seen enough. It what I liked I needed about to it. Take a break. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. But I did read that Takahata, um, he said that when people talk about the past and what people mm. went through in the war, a lot of young people can develop an inferiority complex because their actions, when placed against the background of the war, seem to become more noble. And he wanted to um, make this story to show people that. They were just like us. Yeah. They were just going it's through some Just for hard the studio times. to come from doing like Totoro and Laputa to doing something just that mm-hmm. too damn yeah, it was ang- When I was it's having a bit of a research into Ghibli in the lead up to this, I was quite interesting to see that when you go through the list and then you have a look at who the writer was for each one, if Miyazaki's written it, it's what we consider a Ghibli film. Mm-hmm. If Miyazaki hasn't written it, it's a very different style of storytelling and a v- usually very different mm-hmm. context. Um, for the type of films like th- there's quite a few because mi- if you go through that list it's almost every second film that Miyazaki has been involved yes. in um, which is crazy it is and um, before I continue because mm. this studio's history is so well told through its films mm. that there are a number of flagship sort of um, concepts that Ghibli is known for mm. female leads yep usually young cats talking yep. or otherwise yeah. Characters with multiple forms and or identities, mm-hmm. sweet old ladies, <laughs> misunderstood male characters, and, very interestingly, lack of clearly defined antagonist. Mm. Um, yeah. that actually, Isn't that's that true? Because you start off, in some of these films that I've watched, you start off and you're like, hmm, that's a bad guy. And then later on, oh, I know their motive now. 
I don't really know if they're a bad guy, but this other person, ah, I feel like they're overreacting. Yeah. Who's the bad guy? Yes, that is absolutely going to come up when we talk about our Princess Mononoke action. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Totoro does not have a clearly defined villain. Oh, that is true, yeah, but... Um, the villain is life itself. <laughs> <laughs> that is very transcendental. <laughs> oh, thank you, so, Jerry Cox. Um, no, I but yeah, absolutely with the uh, female um, protagonist, but also mm. the antagonist. He, mm-hmm. has a, he has a habit of making yeah. his females very, very strong, very, very independent and... Mm-hmm. D- did you just say the cliche strong independent woman line? Uh, yeah, except I think he probably except did that it right. Except he did it, you know, 30 years ago. And right. And yes. right. <laughs> so I'm just going to skip a few. So there's yes. 91's Only Yesterday, mm. which also won plenty of awards. Uh, 92's Porco Rosso. That's one of my favorites as well. Oh yeah! No, that's Tailspin. I know, but you watch it and it's just Tailspin. Really? I haven't seen it yet. I wouldn't say that. I can't get it out of my head ever since I saw that AMV for it. So ninety-three Ocean Waves. Uh, and yeah. 94, Pompoko, which uh, yeah. you have told me uh, I've got about. some stories about Pompoko. There's, um, is that there's the uh, Tanuki? Yes, yes, it is. There's Tanukis some really adorable. interesting uh, folklore around Japan's animals. And Tanuki, along with Kitsune, the fox, um, and I think owls as well, are meant to be able to actually like change their shape mm. according to Japanese folklore. Turn into humans or like disguise themselves. Mm. In exactly. Um, but in this uh, film, the Tanuki do some very interesting things. Um, there's mm. also a cultural thing to do with their um, sacks. Biology. <coughs> um, <laughs> we'll say. Um, and if you know yes. what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and there's a All lot right. of... This, there's some really interesting like old school... Um, we'll have to go into this. Yeah, stuff. I think we have to do an episode yeah, on this film we do because, because it's very strange. Yes, mm-hmm. there's some ukiyo-e That's that back this up. And anyway, so anyway. Pompoko also cleaned up awards. 95's Whisper of the Heart was the next one. Then 97, we came to Princess Mononoke. Uh, also cleaned up awards. We won't go into the no cuts quite yet, but we will... We will go into that later. Yes. Um, and uh, around that point, uh, Miyazaki was retiring. Not yet. Oh, no. 99, My Neighbours the Yamadas was the next one. And that was the first Ghibli film with animation drawn entirely on computers. In Mononoke, they used some CG In for uh, Ashitaka's, yeah, for Ashitaka's arm. But everything yes. else, less than hand-drawn. Less than 10% of the movie. In fact, less than even that was computer animated. Mm. And I love uh, Miyazaki had a quote on that. He said that uh, the computer was just sort of another tool, like the pencil or a pen. He just preferred the pencil. Fair enough. Honestly, I can get behind that. It's respectable. It's like he's Mm. not, you know, espousing the computer-generated stuff as bad or anything. 2001, we get to Spirited Away, the first anime film to win an Academy Award. And won in 2003 for Best Animated Feature. It's the highest grossing film in Japanese history. Um, yeah, and then um, there was actually a moment this year where it looked like um, the Not Your Name, Weathering With You was going to overtake it potentially on yes. the Japan's mm-hmm. box office and then at the international box office. Mm. And then they opened it Spirit Away in, J- in China and it just went boom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to run through the next few of these. So there's 2002, The Cat Returns. 2004, Howl's Moving Castle, which was nominated for an Oscar. Um, I believe it just lost to Wallace and Gromit 
Curse of the Were Rabbit. Oh come on! What? No. <laughs> yeah, oh. that doesn't feel like a, a fitting loss. So, 2006, Tales from Earthsea, 2008, Ponyo. Tales from Earthsea was his son's first film. Yes, mm-hmm. um, it was. It got an interesting. It, it doesn't seem to have had a very good critical response, but apparently it's quite beloved by fans. So it's, I'm going to watch oh, it. The art for it is to. beautiful, especially like the setting. Mm. I, I, we're going to need to sit down. Mm. And watch we do need to sit down and watch 2010, it. 2010, Secret World of Arietti. 2011, From Up on Poppy Hill. 2013, The Wind Rises, the last Miyazaki directed film before his retirement. He announced it at a presser at uh, Venice. And fittingly, it's about flying, flight, and planes, which mm. always seems to it's a have a place theme, yeah. in the Miyazaki films. Yeah, they do. Um, Ghibli only produced two other films after his retirement. So, The Tale of the Princess Kaguya, which was Isao Takahata's last directed film before he passed, and 2014, When Mani Was There. Though Miyazaki has now come back out of retirement and he is directing a film that is slated mm. to be released in 2020 called How Do You Live? What year was Ponyo? Ponyo was 2008. Jeez, uh-huh. it feels a lot. It feels so much closer than it actually was. Mm, absolutely. Um, now, we do need to talk very briefly before we go to the next segment about the recent furor around the streaming of Studio Ghibli films. So up until <laughs> yes. this point, you couldn't get Studio Ghibli on a streaming platform. And that's literally because Miyazaki and the rest of the team were like, no, we're dedicated to the cinema experience. Mm. Um, And recently, Polygon, on October 15, Polygon published a story explaining why Studio Ghibli's movies wouldn't appear on a streaming platform, quoting the US distributor, G-Kids, saying there are no plans to place the collection on any streaming or digital platform and that they're dedicated to the cinema experience, which is why. So that was the 15th. Yep. Literally two days later, Studio Ghibli has announced they had signed a deal to stream their films exclusively on HBO Max. I have my own per- personal headcanon about this, that the Miyazaki team was just like, no, we're dedicated to the cinema experience. And then someone from HBO said, come with me. I want to show you my home cinema. What is a home cinema? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now, they're out of touch. Something to point out here. If you're wondering where Disney went in this whole deal... Remember how Disney were the distributors yes, for um, Ghibli's movies for quite a long time. And profitably so. Um, they also had parts of Ghibli content appear at Disney theme parks. Disney sold their theatrical and home video distribution rights to G-Kids in 2017. Get out. Now, really? G-Kids had been involved with them for the dubbing and translation for stuff for several years of the previous few Ghibli films. But it makes you wonder why that decision was made when they knew. they you know In 2017... They knew Disney Plus was coming. Yeah, I think the most surprising part about that is Disney selling something. I know, right? (laughs) So, yeah. Which, on that note of Disney's theme parks, brings us to the Studio Ghibli theme park, which which is is coming in 2022. And that's why Goro hasn't been doing any films. I.e. Miyazaki's son, um, Goro Miyazaki. So, they partnered with both the Aichi Prefecture and Chunichi Shimbun newspaper to build the park. It's been built by Aichi in the Aichi Commemorative Park, which is located near Nagoya in central Japan. It's actually the place they had the World Fair in 2006. Ooh. So um, there's, that's where that um, recreation of Satsuki and May's house from My Neighbor Totoro is. Oh, I love that house. So the park will have five themed areas. Copy in Disney a bit here, I think. But one's confirmed to be based on Howl's Moving Castle, another on Princess Mononoke, and another other Ghibli films serving as inspiration in those other areas. And it's unsurprising that something like this will be made and will be mm. so big. You can still find a bunch of like Ghibli-esque little landmarks all around Tokyo. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like Easter eggs. One of my favourites was streamed by a YouTuber, um, 
his YouTube channel is called Only in Japan. He found this giant Ghibli clock. Wow. This enormous oh, yeah, iron wrought thing just on the side of a random glass skyscraper. That's in mm. uh, Minato City. Yeah. And yeah, there's it looks amazing at night. I've wow. seen like just pictures of it. It's one of the locations I just have to visit when I go. It's, it's also mm. worth noting that obviously there is the uh, Studio Ghibli Museum as well, but that's mm. uh, I, I think that'll be better something we talk about once we've gone mm. to Japan and visited it. And but honestly, yeah. if you haven't caught any of their films yet, can highly re- recommend just sitting down spending an afternoon or a morning or a day just having a look at what they are because the storytelling is magical. That's why they've had such a big impact on everyone who's watched them. But what I will recommend is not starting with Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, no. Not with that. It's one of those series where you can start at anywhere, at any point with any movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, don't start there. Well, well, let's start with one that actually was one of my first, and that's My Neighbour Totoro. Kawaii Radio. It's a bathhouse for the spirits. Totoro came back, Dad. I saw it. It's Laputa, a floating island. Miyazaki! Yes, we probably should have thought out that sting better just to say Ghibli, but it's, it's Miyazaki time! <laughs> Yay! And we're so, talking about My Neighbour Totoro, which, which we ro- watched recently. Yes, now this is hands down my favourite Ghibli film. Oh. Um, it is always just... It's stuck in my memory ever since. Um, it was released in Japan in 1988, but it didn't actually hit English-speaking shores till 1993. Surprisingly, there was a dub created for it in 1988. Oh. Only appeared on Nippon Airways, oh. so you could only watch it on a flight to Japan. I wonder what that dub was like. It's hmm. the dub uh, that was then later released in 93. Um, okay. before oh, so then, same one. Then Disney redubbed it, um, I think, in like 98 or 01. Um, fun fact... Totoro was a flop at the cinema. No. Really? Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, so I first saw Totoro as part of a double feature in 03 with Pompoko, the film featuring the war between the Tanuki and rather prominent... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was my first ever experience of Ghibli. And this is, even, this is after um, uh, Spirited Away had already come out. I just didn't get around to it at the time. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that I saw Totoro as a part of a double feature because when it was first aired in 88... It was part of a double feature as well with Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, the which film one was, was first? the film pitch was rejected by Takuma Shoten Publishing in the early 1980s. Then again in 87, it took mm. the film to be paired with Grave of the Fireflies to get in the cinemas. That's, that's oh so surprising. I do, mean, do you want to know why? Uh, the me. film distributors didn't believe there was an audience for a story about two girls in a monster in modern Japan. Oh, oh please! Miyazaki was saying the focus at the time was all on guns and action. Uh, uh, and it's so surprising when you think about it. I mean, Totoro is the figurehead, the icon, which comes with the Studio Ghibli logo. Yes. I think there's there's a time and a place for every a, any sort of type of story, as long as it's well told. Mm. And this is such a beautifully it told is. story. Truth be told, it wasn't until it ended up on TV that it became a commercial success. <laughs> so it actually fell short at the cinemas, and then as soon as it started going onto TV, it became a runaway success. So were, was it shown in cinema with Grave yeah, of the as a dub- as a double feature? They really? never, no one specifies in any of the documents I've seen which one was played first. But I'm willing to bet if you consider that Totoro is G-rated and Grave of the Fireflies is definitely not, mm. this is why it didn't have a wide reach because yeah, you would I have had to be involved. You would have to be able to see Grave of the Fireflies to see Totoro. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to think about that. I mean, I don't like the idea that certain films are made for certain people, like this is made for kids mm. or anything like that. But yeah, this is something that is definitely aimed at a younger audience. 
And for Graver the Fireflies to follow that, mm. oh, you are just going to scar uh, so th- many people for life. I think the, uh, w- what I thought was really strange about the way they paired it up is when you think about Graver the Fireflies, that's set in, what, 1930s, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, like 1939 to 1942, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then Totoro is set in 1958. So they're both nostalgic looks, but very different mm. looks. And I think that's possibly why they said put them together because they're both set around the same era. Because... Uh, Totoro is set in post-war 1958 Japan, um, and you can tell from like the quality of what they're living in, it's in a country mm. rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So the um, the opening scene we see is uh, the two girls mm-hmm. and their father. They're on their way to their new house in the country, and, yes, and it, it just looks enchanting. Like they have to cross a bridge to get to the, to like there's a little stream in front of their um front gate and then they go up the hill and the house is just beautiful. So the the plot in this story is uh, Tatsuo Katsukabe, which is the father and his two daughters Satsuki and Mei both move all move into an old house to be close to their mother Yusuko who is in a hospital recovering from a long-term illness. Mm. The new house is next to a small forest and one day the youngest of the daughters Mei discovers a pair of rabbit-like spirits who lead, lead her into a hollow of a large camphor tree. There she befriends a larger spirit who she identifies itself by a series of roars as Totoro. Mm-hmm. Now, Totoro himself is not a Japanese folklore design like you'd expect for like a Kappa or a Kadama or an Oni or not anything like that. Not a traditional kind no. of spiritual Oni. Um, he was an original creation of Hiyao Miyazaki with traits from a number of local creatures. The Tanuki, um, I didn't realise this, but Tanukis are referred to as raccoon dogs. Oh, yeah, go oh, figure. They kind of like, I looked they up look a bit doggy, like, yeah. They do look, um, yeah. So a tanuki, owl, and a cat sort of squished together. And there's apparently other elements like of rabbits and other bits and pieces all <laughs> shoved in there. And he's just kind of went, I'm going to make something fluffy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, when in doubt, make it fluffy. Something that I found really interesting when I was researching this is Totoro is very close to the word Tororo, which means troll in Japanese. Mm. And after May first meets Totoro in the forest, her sister Satsuki asks if she actually meant she met a troll like in her picture books oh so something may agrees with so essentially no yeah she was reading a picture book uh oh. three billy boat goats gruff oh my mm. yeah which contains a troll suggesting that this was the book under a in bridge, question right? exactly so miyazaki has said in one of the film art books that the name of totoro is just something that may gives the creature and that no one knows its true name mm. but it's quite you're going to see a lot of interesting segues of where Mm. the character design and artwork goes for Mm. um and the film is actually set in a real life location um around the sayama hills outside of tokorozawa a city located west of tokyo miyazaki actually lived there in the area at the time which became the inspiration of the film and in 1990, they set a fund up to protect the forest in the hills ah. where they, he t- filmed it from the deforestation and illegal dumping, known as the National Trust of Totoro no Furusato. Oh, that's lovely. They so established an area called Totoro's Forest in the area, named in honour of both the film and Hiao Miyazaki. Because it's part of the Tokyo urban sprawl, isn't it? It is. My God, like th- this is a good two hours out of Tokyo. It's and you're an still hour, in Tokyo, It's, it's a little under an hour's drive northwest from the Studio Ghibli um, studio and its um, museum as well. So, like, if you're going there to Japan, they've got, like, dedicated, like, mm. instructions on their website on it and you can donate. They've got a giant statue of Totoro in a little uh, mm. shed for it as well. Sweet. Um, it's, it's really beautiful. Mm. But, look, um, back to the actual story. So, um, Totoro is... 
as we said, set in that post-war period. And the two girls are living, kind of learning to deal with the fact that their mum's in hospital and that their dad's going to work at the university. So, you know, they've got to sort of... They've got uh, to settle into a new so- way of living, really. Yeah, but they've also got to settle into the fact that, you know, dad's not right nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing is really ever said about what the mother's disease is, but the end of it suggests that, you know, thing, things improved. Yeah. Um, so and she eventually pneumonia. came home. Maybe, maybe. Mm. Um, but on that note, there is an urban legend around the film. Oh, mm. I, I don't like this. And it's f- been there for a long time, suggesting that Totoro is a Shinigami or Japanese death god who can only be seen by those close to death who are dying. Now, it is worth That's noting... quite a pleasant experience, isn't it? Is. It? <laughs> it is worth noting that Ghibli has completely denied there's any truth to this connection. Um, in 2007, but it's surprising how many similarities are, and I personally don't think... It, it ties to a murder in the Sayama area in 1963 where two sisters Eesh. died, and there are a lot of connections with it, such as suit sprites apparently being linked to your own impending death in Japanese folklore. Here's the thing. I have searched high and low, and I cannot find any evidence of this. Yeah, I've So I feel like it's sprites. just a bit of overstreet. I think no, this of is them being linked to it, like even mm. if you put the kanji into... Um, the search engines it doesn't it just takes you to like the Wikipedia yeah. page for the soot sprite for Totoro and for um, Spirit of yeah. the Way people just have very active imaginations which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing just that there, are, there are maybe better ways to apply I, I, it I think it's I mean, more it's a case that seeing as Miyazaki grew up in that area and probably would have heard about it as an urban legend maybe mm. it you know subtly influenced his work slightly but I don't think it's like the underlying course to it and yeah, the fact uh, they've said um, nah I think I've oh, seen yeah. something like that before. Uh, J.R. Tolkien, writer of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. says that he despises allegory in any form. He never wants to write anything mm-hmm. that's allegorical. Ah. And Lord of the Rings is allegorical everyone, to World War Two. I think yeah, it's more everyone just says it's Wars of the Roses as well. Exactly. Mm. I think it's more that uh, we're all subtly. Who did they throw in a volcano in England? Are there volcanoes in England? No. But but yeah, I think it's just that writers, authors, directors, I think they are just sort of influenced by the world around them, by events, and they internalise it and don't consciously Mm -hmm. do these things. Oh, absolutely. So, look, we, we I don't want to spoil the story, but let's just mm. say it's a beautiful adventure of, you know, sisters caring for each other and about them searching for, you know, something to make them both happy. Yeah, when I was watching it, I, I was reminded of a number of ideas and concepts and feelings that I had when I was a child that I hadn't thought of or felt for uh, so many years. It's, it, it is. It's amazing. It takes you back to your childhood almost. Yeah, it's I one of those films. Yeah, so you really just have to watch it just as it is. Fantastic don't, the way Miyazaki captured mm-hmm. Yeah, don't look up that conspiracy <laughs> theory. <laughs> Which I was going to say, there's a great artif- article by Tofugu on it if you want to search. So. Oh yeah, Tofugu is great. Yeah, but, but um, um, it does, maybe it does temper it. Watch the film first. Watch the film first, don't yeah, read that. It's um, beautiful. Now, we do need to talk about the legacy of Totoro before we move on to our next one. And mm-hmm. the Totoro character is as famous among Japanese children as Bugs Bunny or Winnie the Pooh were in English-speaking countries. So that's, that gives you an idea of the impact it had. And it's become a cultural icon that's associated with Japan across the world. It also became, as you said, Studio Ghibli's logo. And even though it's not their first film, it may be due to the strong connection Miyazaki had with the work and its explosion in popularity and Mm. it being his home area. Now, Totoro has actually made cameos 
in other Ghibli films, such as Kiki's Delivery Service. I May, think I remember that. May and Little Totoro appear in a stained glass window. <laughs> uh, Whisper of the Heart, there's a Totoro book on the shelf. And Pompoko during the Operation Spectre scene, which, if you haven't seen this, it is chock full of Ghibli cameos. Like, any film that was written before it appears in this weird sequence where everything's flying around. So if you're going to watch uh, Ghibli films, you reckon start I'd start earlier on, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's also actually a little hat tip to it in the elevator scene in Spirited Away. So that mirrors the sh- shot sequence, shot for shot, of the bus scene in Totoro where it, they're waiting for the bus. Yeah, that's a famous shot of them just in the night under umbrellas oh, waiting for the bus. Beautiful. The I think sound I have a poster of that. Yeah. Oh. And let's just mention for a quick moment mm. Joe Hisashi's score. Oh, don't, don't get me started on Joe Hisashi. <laughs> this, this man, I would. Oh, it's He's a beautiful. permanent fixture in our and hearts. We, we said we won't use waifus or husbandos, but he'd be my husbando. <laughs> <laughs> the man is a, he is just. You heard it here wow. first, folks. Kyle Kyle's would husbando. marry Joe. I'd marry he Joe. Could. He is amazing. If he is he, such a talented you, right? and incredible musician. <laughs> he wouldn't have me. Oh, <laughs> he, he, he has a wife, asked. you know. Anyway, we are getting a bit off topic. Let's continue on. We need to talk about. One of the other big and most well-known films, Princess Mononoke. Kawaii Radio. We'll be there on time. There's 20 minutes of ads. Cinema Club. Always, always 20 minutes of ads. Always, wow. always. Never different. And especially if you see an anime film, it'll be ads for children's shows because the cinemas just don't get it yet. Yeah. So we went time. and saw Akira and there were ads for children's shows. It's oh. like, guys, do you like, realise uh, what you're showing us? Just <laughs> because it's 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 technically a cartoon does not mean... No, it's not. I loved movie. going there and just hearing the uh, local sort of geek and anime fan community just sort of like having a good giggle at that themselves. Yeah. Wasn't there like an ad for... Um, what, what's the... Uh, Mexican Explorer Girl from Nickelodeon. Dora. Oh, Dora the Explorer. Yeah, the live-action Dora the Explorer. And everyone, you just hear someone behind us go, you're kidding, right? Yeah, <laughs> I heard that. God. Oh, dear. Anyway, let's talk about Princess Mononoke. And I hadn't actually seen this. I'd s- I can't believe I hadn't seen this. It's one I of the either. first I had actually seen. It's kind of a contrast between you seeing Totoro and me seeing this. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, this reminded me a lot of Nausicaa. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is set in feudal-era Japan, in an age where gods, spirits, and demons still roam the world. The young prince of the Amichi tribe, named Ashitaka, is attacked and cursed by a rampaging demonic monster. Uh, killing the monster, he discovers it was, in fact, a mighty boar god, driven mad and suffering from a same curse that now infects him. Now, he's determined to find out what has caused this curse before it consumes him and to find answers to, like, a cure, perhaps. Uh, so he sets out into the world. He discovers a great city called Irontown, which is at war with not just the local gods and wolf spirits, but the emperor of Japan itself. This is sort of like a holdout village. Was it Oda Nobunaga? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it I love the, um, the weapons that... Um, what's her name? Uh, Lady Abishi? Yeah. Yes, which she is... Oh, yes. I have to be honest, like, the... Artwork and intricacies that you see for equipment in this film were amazing. Yes, it's very, very kind of traditional uh, firearms and weapons Mm. and instruments. But yeah, uh, leading the attack against this town, leading the uh, spirits, is the young princess um, Mononoke, 
who is a human who has been raised by the wolves. I think I've heard that story somewhere. Yeah, it's a constant sort of like set piece in like urban legend and folklore. The the person raised by wolves and what they would be like, that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, And this film has maintained its position and its relevance. So much so that five o'clock last night, uh, Vice released an article called Princess Mononoke Predicted Our Cursed Future. Oh my God. So... Despite uh, this was uh, made in like nice. 1997, it's maintained its relevance. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, I w- the styling of the story felt like I mentioned Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind, which does have its environmental discussion, but that's kind of like a dystopian future. I and mean, this is a modern focus, mm. also talking about its environmental concerns with deforestation, pollution, and so mm-hmm. on. Should we talk about no cuts? Um, uh, I think <laughs> I, we have mentioned this before, and I think we. It, Warren's mentioning again. So the early Ghibli films had a bit of an issue when they were brought mm. over to the US. Yeah, Nausicaa was really heavily re-edited to Warriors of the Wind and <laughs> it just made no sense. And it, it was didn't. completely idiotic it why they insult. did it. It was. Yep. So was it Harvey Weinstein? Yep. yep. The Old man mate. who we shall not talk about ever again and yeah. his company Miramax. Yeah, they wanted to cut Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. And so they are the ones who were responsible for the mess that Nausicaa was. Mm-hmm. So one of the producers, I'd love to be a producer like this, sent him a Japanese uh, sword, a mm-hmm. katana. Engraved on it were the words "no cuts." And that was the only reply they got. What, what did Miyazaki say when he was interviewed about it? Uh, yes, he was smiling about it and said, <laughs> "I defeated him." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh. that is that, brilliant. That's, that's brilliant. I that's, love that, it. That's a fitting way to. I want to it. find the video of him saying that. I just want <laughs> just to that, see that it. big cheesy grin. Like, oh, I defeated him. Maybe it's yes. a small smile because in case you can't tell, I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, I loved Mononoke. What mm. I really loved was the movement. Yeah, the movement. It, there's so much movement in this film. It's very action packed. Yes, I, I have to admit though, I'm an awful human being. What? Because I watched it and I saw the battle to do with the boars. Oh yes. And immediately oh, my no. brain went to, what if fifty to thirty. Feral hogs <laughs> came into your house. <laughs> that was a hilarious you, little meme. You were taking it seriously the entire time through, actually, because I was watching it <laughs> oh with God. you, and you were like, ha, 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 "Look at that!" <laughs> like, yeah. Kyle, you, come he on. was just—I was taking it seriously. <laughs> no, it's just that it's a—it's a little bit of a sad story in some parts, Aww. and I lighten the mood with joking. <laughs> Which, you know, many of us do. You laugh to, cr- to cover your cheeks. I laugh to cry. Now I kind of <laughs> want to sit down with you and watch uh, Grave of the Fireflies and no. see what jokes you make. Go- <laughs> All right, you know what? They will not be able to be you aired on what? this podcast. Imagine <laughs> if we just set up, um, you know how Nostalgic Critic does the first viewing? Uh, we yes. set up a camera that just <laughs> records us throughout the, oh. the film. No one wants to see my weeping snotty, the crying, ugly crying face during... But it's, it would be a bit funny, a just because, like, maybe just, just the audio. We are a podcast after all. Yes. <laughs> but we can just clip the audio from the film and have the film forever, just to watch how. I don't know what what the point of this is. I don't know what the um, point of this is either. <laughs> Let's, uh, I just think it would be back interesting. To Kenny. Let's cut back. So this film, 
one big. It costs $2.4 billion. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> 2.4 billion yen. I was going to say, whoa. Yeah, I was... Uh, More than Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Um, cost 2.4 billion yen to create. It was the most expensive animation of its time. Wow. Uh, it made that back as 18.25 billion yen. Uh, it set a new record. It was only beaten by Titanic a few months later. Uh, 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 yeah, and uh, we're talking by a relatively slim amount as well. Like, by 0.3 billion? I you know, don't understand how Titanic you, you became know, such a You know a why? Because it's relevant to Western od- audiences. Everyone yeah. knows about... The Titanic disaster, and yeah. um, it was a that's the that's film was, was very think. good. It was very well look, shot. Look, don't be wrong. Yes. It, cinema, cinematically, it's a good film, and James Cameron did a great job. But just mm. when you think about it from like a storytelling perspective, a, a lot of it, you know, just kind yeah, of feels it, a bit. It's like, quite a mm, simple story, isn't yeah. it? Whereas um, Mononoke is very complex. Yeah, it's oh. got the whole environmental theme. It's got man's mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know whose who's side I really was on because I could yeah. see all sides of the story, which like is I a bit of a I curse. I didn't want the... Um, like I, I liked the people in Iron Time because they were immediately you know, humanised, but I didn't mm. want them to keep destroying the land because it was just, you know, ah, oh, it's corporate profiteering. Let's just, just destroy see, like, the land and in, dig everything. In that day so much of the country is just forest isn't it yeah so they wouldn't have had the su- they, they wouldn't have the same sort of ideals that we have where we're like yeah. we need to look after this stuff yeah. because there's only so much left but yeah it's the characters <laughs> it's the um it's the characters in iron town which i feel like really really grab me because these are complex people these they aren't are. like villains these aren't people who are like her greedy 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 mm. yeah and she grabbed a- a lot of those women from brothels yes, gave them Bushy. better lives. And lepers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Miyazaki did some of his research at a leper colony for <gasps> that particular Ooh. scene. He there went to interview people. And colonies still? Yeah. And oh, um, oh, holy crap. That's I thought just, leprosy was curable. Uh, at, at this point now, yes. Oh, but boy. Back then, new. Oh, no. But or so at least if it was, obviously it wasn't accessible to everyone, which yeah. is you know, it's still a modern day issue but too. So yeah, it's this Lady Iboshi character. She's very much a protector more than anything. That's like her people come from a worse life. The lepers, yeah. the uh, women come from brothels and now they work in an iron factory. They're all like the traditional strong kind of characters that Miyazaki loves to write. Mm. And so you don't want them to lose but you also don't want them to keep destroying the forest and yeah. upsetting yep. the forest spirits. And it's that difficult balancing act in the story, which is, as we've said, is a hallmark of most of Miyazaki's tales. And mm. it's what makes this one so compelling is that yeah. it's a very complicated story. And I, I, I liked her. Yeah, I liked her. I thought she was a kick-ass character. I, I did think she went a little bit off the rails towards the end during the final hunt because it was just kind of a bit like, you could just stop this right now, but you were just like, mm. no, I'm doing it. It was like, but this wasn't even yeah. important to you a couple of days ago. I yeah. wonder what the uh, voice acting in Japanese would be like because we actually watched the English dub. We did. Um, Very good really English enjoyed. dub as well. I mean, yes. that was uh, Mini Driver as mm-hmm. a version. Claire Danes as... The Princess Mononoke, who we actually haven't talked about too much. Yes. And uh, Billy yes. Bob Thornton as uh, one of the characters as well. Yeah, like, yeah, as soon as I heard Billy Bob Thornton st- talk, I went, he's going to be evil. It's <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. But he's I mean, a dodgy he's, dude. He's <laughs> complex as well, and he doesn't oh, he hide. Is. Like the, None of the characters hide who they are. Even That's what he I like. was like very tricky, though, because he, he was. was either like a religious monk or a spy for the emperor, but he was also working for her 
and sort of against her and for the main character. It's just like, who are you, mate? Exactly. Yeah. What is your? <laughs> I don't even know operandi? anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when we get to San, the princess Mononoke, pre- uh, she's like, yeah, she's very, very proud and mm. like absolutely deadly. Watching her fight is just a treat. Yeah, and scuttle across the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's another part of the movement that I loved. Her movement. Also, mm. there was this one scene in that scuffle in Iron Town where a guy sort of falls backwards and almost but then completely loses his balance. I just loved that. I, that was so yeah, well done. Yeah, because we're done. so used to seeing people just falling. Yeah, and this was all hand-drawn except for Ashitaka's arm, which they created using uh, computer graphics yeah. when the when the curse starts to come out. See, I also noticed this sort of thing in um, Totoro. So we're so used to people seeing people in films just running nonstop as if they yes. don't get tired. Mm. But with Totoro, you did see mm. Satsuki actually get tired and stop for a moment before then going <gasps> and running on again, yeah. which is what humans do. And that you see that a bunch of times in different stuff like this. And as you mentioned, this is all very hand drawn and stuff. I actually have a, uh, I actually have a figure here. Um, that was 144,000 different animation cells. This is one wow. of the last animations done in that style. And Miyazaki personally redrew and re-edited 80,000 of those himself. Wow. Dedication, people! <laughs> Whoa. So I think if that anything else, that tells you you should watch this to see an incredible film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do yourselves a favour. Do yourselves a favour. Yeah. Well, that's Check all the time we've got, so let's head on out. And that ends our studio in Focus Special on Studio Ghibli. Thanks so much for joining us. It does feel like we could go on forever talking about it, doesn't it? It does. Uh, Next episode, we are going back to the 80s, for better or for worse, and visiting the source of many a meme. (laughs) Nani? Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's right. It is time for Fist of the North Star. Yes. And a few other surprises from the Deep Back catalogue. And don't forget to head over to our Facebook page and uh, check out our new Instagram for breaking anime news, memes and videos. You've been listening to Quifi Radio. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, watch watch some anime. anime!